You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I'm your host, Jay Schiffman. On this show, I interview people with lived and learned experiences on the subjects of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. But occasionally, we talk about other topics as well. On this week's episode, I chat with activist and author, the Reverend Robert Lee. But first, Kid Mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way. But you can always win when you just struggle. And some battles will be yesterday. But today is for a new weekend. You just struggle. And don't worry about what they say. Cause you can always win when you just struggle. And you can bounce back. Just that day. Come on in, listen to just struggle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I'm your host, Jay Schiffman. It's great to be back with you all. I will say before we get into this week's episode, uh, (laughs) y'all did not care much for last week's episode. That's fine. That happens from time to time. Um, You know, I I don't uh, give much weight to to the numbers that I see online because they're really more of an indicator than anything else. But, you know, the indicator did say that there was not much listenership last week. Uh, and I really didn't hear from any of you, so um, that's okay. That's that that happens from time to time. Uh, before we get into this week's episode, a couple of things. Number one, uh, if you didn't tune in last week, you didn't hear this. Uh, it is that birthday fundraiser time again. Uh, I'm doing something a little different this year, not a traditional fundraiser like we did the last two years. Instead, I'm reaching out and asking anyone who is interested in sponsoring. Uh, Savage Sisters first quote unquote gala event uh, took to reach out. There are three levels, a thousand dollars, three thousand and five thousand. The um, it's more of a party than a gala. They're calling it a gala because that's what you do in nonprofits. But, you know, there will be some some food and drink and that kind of thing. Some some music at a, at a venue here in Philly. The, the, the reason that this is something that I think people should should get on is, is that there's going to be a pretty substantial uh, opportunity to promote your organization, um, a lot of social media, newsletters, um, signage, all, all that kind of stuff, the, the stuff you normally get from gala sponsorship. And you get to support an awesome organization in the process. So um, this is sort of a... a uh, personal connection, right? I mean, you can't go online and sign up anywhere. So just reach out to me at J J A Y at J com. J A Y at J A Y S H I F M A N.com. And I'll get you hooked up with Sarah or Adam and, and, and whoever. So, uh, that is the ask for the birthday fundraiser this year. Uh, my birthday is in two weeks. Um, and this is the last time you're going to, I think that's right. The last time you're going to hear from me before the birthday fundraiser or before my birthday, um, because I'm off next week for the holiday. I've got got some friends coming in town and I I just won't have time to do a show. So, um, we will be off next week. Now this week's episode, um, this is one that I looked forward to. Uh, I reached out to to this young man on 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 Twitter because I'm a big fan of his work, and he couldn't have been more welcoming, more gracious, more more open to to chatting. And I was so uh, thankful for that, especially right now. Um, since I last dropped an episode, obviously the the, the this <laughs> what remained of the values of this country are gone, and it's it's just um. You know, my wife and I were were out at the the protest march last week, um, and and it's not just abortion, although obviously that's that's a big one. It's the fact that in the same week, the Supreme Court said states cannot decide to restrict uh, weapons of of violence, guns. Uh, everyone is just now allowed to carry a gun anywhere, uh, but they can restrict healthcare for women. So you know. Um, that's the fucking values of this country. Uh, you can murder all you want. You can carry around your weapons of, of destruction, but God damn it, women, you better not take care of your bodies. Um, yeah, fuck the Supreme, fuck all of our elected officials. And there was more, right? I mean, they, they, they took away the right to sue police who, who violated your, your, your human rights. And it's just awful. Everything is awful. But this conversation today, 
Um, it didn't give me hope. I don't have any hope right now. And I say this on the outro. I say more about this. But I don't have any hope. But at the same time, it was a pleasure hearing from someone who is fighting the good fight and, and does have a little bit of hope. And that person is the Reverend Robert W. Lee. Um, the Reverend uh, Rob Lee is an author and he's an activist. He's a commentator, a, a, a preacher, obviously, by the by the name. Uh, his work has appeared all over. You may have seen him on MTV uh, Video Music Awards. He's been on The View, The New York Times, The New Yorker, CNN, NPR. I, I, I the list is here in front of me. I'm not going to read it all. It just he is he is well known. And, and and if you don't know him from any of that, um, you know him from his name because as the name suggests, he is a descendant of Robert E. Lee. Uh, but unlike his uh, very famous great, 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 he, he goes through it, obviously, in the interview, his great uncle. Um, Rob is actually an activist engaged in the field of racial reconciliation. Um, he is a guy who speaks very openly about what we call the lost cause. And we talk about that on this this interview uh, and about changing uh, the narrative that we allow some people to uh, to blatantly uh, throw around that it's just false about what the Civil War was um, and, and the, the, using the this terrible act in our country's history to perpetrate violence on many individuals and, and mostly almost all um, people of color, especially black people in this country. Uh, Rob was raised in the United Methodist uh, Church, the the Broad Street United Methodist Church in uh, Statesville, North Carolina, where he still lives with his wife. Uh, and their poodle Frank, as he talks about in this interview, uh, he and his wife adopted two daughters, Athena and Phoenix, uh, and and they are what gives him hope. So so props for that. I, I will say, sort of one fun thing is that Rob and I are both uh, memorabilia autograph collectors, and we didn't we don't really get into that on this interview. We did a little at the end, but uh, we've talked a lot about that since. And 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 like me, he's a big Star Wars fan, and that's been really fun. So. I wish I had more to say right now. I'm still getting my thoughts sort of in line. Uh, when I come back from break, you'll hear more from me on that and just everything happening in the world. But I guess without further ado, enjoy this conversation with the truly, truly wonderful Reverend Robert W. Lee. Thank you for supporting the show. Here at Choose Your Struggle, we rely on all of y'all to help us end stigma and promote honest and fact-based education around mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. And there's so many ways to engage with our work, from our podcast to our storytelling events to bringing me in to speak to your company, your school, or your organization. You can also support us on Patreon for as little as $3.40 a month. And we're so appreciative. This work is grueling at times, and your support goes a long way to helping us keep going. So find us at ChooseYourStruggle.com and find me at JShiffman.com. And thank you, thank you for being a part of the Choose Your Struggle family. Choose Your Struggle. If you're liking the show, please consider leaving us a review. If you're listening on Apple, you can leave a review right on your player. For everybody else, check out the link in the show notes. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am here with a with a guy today. This is going to be a fun conversation, and and we'll start right off with the fact that uh, it's a name that I'm going to guess most of you know. And uh, Rob, I'm sure you get that joke joke a lot. Uh, my guest today is 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 Rob Lee. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, <laughs> funny question to start off. Do people ask you about that name a lot does that come up or 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 are you known well enough now that people know who you are and it's not a joke well it actually happened yesterday at a store someone mentioned oh my gosh your name's robert lee because uh, i handed him my debit card and it ended up being one of those things where people were like you know it's always that awkward dance of like are they happy about that <laughs> that, that, that it's robert lee because I live in the South and people think that there's this like, you know, unique connection to Robert Lee, Robert E. Lee, that the Confederate general. And so I'm like, you know, I never know how to respond. I'm like, yeah, that that's that's my name. <laughs> and, and, and it always turns out to be an interesting conversation. But but it's also led to a lot of uh, substantive change in my own life and, and change in the life of uh, of our country as we, we reckon with what's going on with, with the terrible legacy of the South and the terrible legacy of the Confederacy. 
So uh, before we get into your connection, obviously, uh, this is something that, you know, everybody loves to say. I've, I've heard probably three or four times in my life, oh, my great uncle's mom, whatever was Robert E. Lee, right? I mean, people, for certain people, it is a mythos of being connected to, to, to that general. Do you get people who tell you that those stories and then you're like, well, actually... Yeah, I mean, I do. I think that people like being connected to someone, whatever that connection might be. You know, I've heard it from from for Robert E. Lee, but there's other people that say, you know, oh, I'm related to, to to whoever, and they try to make that connection. It's it's actually out of a deep well of wanting to be be in that conversation for whatever reason, right? Um, you know, even people think that I wasn't related to Robert E. Lee, even bearing the name and the legacy. So we had to go and get a 500 page genealogical report uh, that came out earlier this year to prove that I was related to a man that I don't actually care for. Like, I don't actually <laughs> like Robert E. Lee. I don't want to do this. Like, you know, I don't like the song and dance of being related to the man. Um, but ultimately, I had to prove because I was saying things about him that people in the South didn't like that I was actually related to Robert E. Lee. So it was actually kind of the opposite effect of that, of having to prove it, um, which is not easy because, you know, the records aren't the best and, you know, in the family. So you have to go elsewhere. You have to get all the, the, the records you can. And that took time and effort. But all that's to say is people, people like those connections for whatever reason. And I wish they would be far more concerned with connecting with people who are in this world now, who are needing help now, who are, who are, who are actually in the struggle uh, to borrow from your podcast now. I mean, like, you know, I, I wish people would be far more concerned with that than a man who lived 150 years ago. Really well put. Uh, thank you for saying that. And obviously, we'll spend the second half of the show talking about your work on, on that regard. Uh, but as we get into your story, just so to help myself and the listeners, what is a, a great, great, great? What What is the connection to Robert E. Lee? So my re relationship to him is nephew uh, and, and so I'm a nephew coming down the line of one of his uh, relatives. And so you connect that by greats. People connect that by greats. So I'm a great, 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 great grand nephew. So I know that's complicated, but when you get into family lineage, it's actually very important for people who care about this to get it right. And that's what I've tried to do. I've always said, you know, I'm a descendant. I'm a collateral descendant, meaning that I am not a direct line. I don't have a direct line. Like Robert E. Lee is not my grandfather, so many greats. And I've always been clear about that. I don't want people to think I'm misrepresenting myself. And that's been really frustrating to see people think that, like, I'm, you know, people get it wrong when they're saying that, when they're introducing me or saying things about me. And I have to correct them, not because I, I, I want to correct them uh, to, for the sake of being right or for the sake that I care, but for the sake that other people care. That's been the weird thing in all of this, Jay, is that people actually care so deeply because I'm trashing the man. And I think he's got issues and I think we need to address those issues. Uh, they think that that is somehow because of my connection to him, they have to prove me wrong. So. So let's get into that then. I mean, in your family, you know, you are very outspoken on, on your beliefs on this. W was that did that come from your household or were there members of your household who uh, household who took the other side and were very proud of that connection? So my, my immediate family has been very proud of the work I've done. They've always been proud and supportive of the work I've done. They're also like, my dad's an engineer. My mom's a nurse. They don't really care about this stuff as much until it came into the public conversation um, here in the past five years. Um, it just wasn't something that affected them. And I don't blame them for that. I don't blame them for that. I actually celebrate the fact that they allowed me to create my own opinions about this stuff. You know, so many people are brainwashed nowadays about this stuff. And, you know, growing up, I was proud of Robert E. Lee. I, I admit it. I had a Confederate flag in my bedroom. Uh, I had a, you know, a, 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 a poster of Robert E. Lee and a postcard of Robert E. Lee framed up in my room. I mean, this 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 wasn't me, you know, this was just rampant nostalgia, I think, that become, could become dangerous if left unkept. But my parents weren't actively, you know, in the conversation saying, you've got to have that flag up, you've got to have that poster up. They were just letting me form my own opinions, or for right or for wrong. Uh, and we could talk all day till the cows come home about whether that was right or wrong of them. But all that's to say is that I am thankful for them. I'm thankful for their support. Um, as we get further out beyond my immediate family, 
into other purviews of the Lee uh, family tree, which is a very, very large family tree. There are a lot of people, which is why I'm never, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, people say I might be related to Robert E. Lee. I never try to correct them immediately because I, I, they might actually be. It's a huge family uh, with huge, you know, caveats and, and inroads and stuff like that that make it hard to, to, to really tell. So all that's to say is that uh, those people uh, that are further out from me have a big problem with it. Um, they do not like the fact that I am trashing our family, which I'm not. I'm actually asking us to be honest about our family uh, out of love for our family and out of honesty and integrity. And what does it mean to reckon with something that isn't actually that good? Uh, I, you know, Jay, down here in the South, I know you're kind of up North, but, but down here in the South, we have made an idol of Robert E. Lee. I mean, he is on street signs and statues and schools. I mean, this man is the epitome of the Southern gentleman, uh, the Southern Christian gentleman, right? I add, and as a pastor, as someone who's like a clergy person, I actually find that abhorrent because there are a million people that I would put above him <laughs> in terms of their, their ability uh, to have that conversation about what it means to be a Christian in the South. So my listeners know when I started this show back in early 2020, I was actually living in Charleston, South Carolina, where my wife is from. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the big conversation down there for people who aren't as familiar with this uh, is really what we now call the lost cause idea of, of, of the, uh, the Civil War. And it's really easy to be like, oh, my God, this is like absurd. But if you're if you're brought up in that, if you're taught that it's, it's I guess, a little understandable to to swallow that hook line and sinker Did, when you had the the confederate flag and all that kind of stuff was that because you had been taught and i'm saying in the home but somewhere in your life this idea of the lost cause of of the civil war is that how you came to to being a, 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 such a supporter yes and i think it's important before we start talking about the lost cause to explain what the lost cause is in detail for your listeners the Lost Cause started soon after, uh, actually, Robert E. Lee died. He was president of Washington College in Lexington, Virginia. And at his funeral, uh, people spoke up who were former Confederate generals, uh, kind of creating this mythos, this legendary figure of Robert E. Lee. And not only that, but of the narrative of the Civil War. Why was the Civil War fought? Was it fought for the continued enslavement of Black people in this country? Or was it fought for... Um, Southern rights and the idea that the Southern rights, states' rights, were more important than the federal system. And so the people in the Lost Cause started to lean towards that more than anything. Um, and, and they started to create Robert E. Lee into this grandiose figure. Um, so, so, so when I went to school, I went to a private Christian school for, for a little bit, and I remember them telling me it was the War of Northern Aggression. It wasn't called the Civil War. It was the War of Northern Aggression. And that was really confusing for, for you know, second grader to hear that. But, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, you know, that's the thing. I think down here we have this, this, this ethos, this, this mythos, this, this understanding that this war was about states' rights. But I think, Jay, the problem is, is we never finish that sentence. It's the states' rights to enslave people. That's why they fought the Civil War. That's why they fought this war, whatever you want to call it, was for the enslavement of black people. And you can say what you will. You know, I've heard people try to trash Lincoln and try to trash, you know, the North or the, the United States, as it should be actually called. You know, and, and they all had their problems, yes, but they were fighting, again, against the peculiar institution of slavery. Um, so, so, so we have to consider that in our, in our determining who was right and who was wrong. Well put. Thank you for that. So, you know, you grew up in a, in a religious household that has very clearly influenced your your uh, life. But, you know, there is obviously uh, varying degrees of other sort of points of personal pride. And in the South, that being from the South is a part of that. You know, it sounds like you tapped into that kind of early on. When did that start to wane? When did you start to go, you know, maybe there's another point to the story that I'm not hearing? Well, I don't know if it ever waned. I think it changed. Um, I'm very proud to be from the South. I'm proud of our religious history, our food culture, or, 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 or the way we live our lives, I think is very profound and very unique. 
But what started to change for me was the encounters I had uh, with black people, um, to, to put it very frankly. Uh, I met a woman who was, uh, I knew a woman named Bertha Hamilton, who was my confirmation mentor at church. Uh, and we started to have conversations. I talk about this in my book, A Sin by Any Other Name, Reckoning with Racism and the Heritage of the South. Um, but I, we started to have conversations about that flag and about that poster that was on my wall. And she said, honey, you've got to take that down if you want to be someone who is who is ultimately going to be a minister. Like you can't minister to people if you have these symbols of hate in your bedroom hanging from your walls. How is that congruent with what you are called to be? And that hit me like a like a ton of bricks, man. I mean, it was one of those things that was just I, I couldn't I couldn't process that correctly. I had to take the flag down. That there was no choice after that. After I had been called out. Now I want to be clear here in the work I've done. I've realized it is not incumbent upon black people to tell white people what to do and how to fix our issues. But I am nonetheless thankful that Miss Bertha had the courage and the determination to tell me that. Um, it is not you know again we've got to get our own stuff together. But that doesn't mean that, you know, it's 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 one of those things that, that we have to work together on. So um, all that's to say is that was a very huge change point for me. It happened in middle school. Um, after that, I started to address it in my own life and it pursued ministry. Uh, and, and, you know, I know uh, I've listened to your podcast, love your podcast. I, and I know I'm a very unique guest in that regard, being a pastor. Uh, but but I'm I'm a cool pastor. I like to think I, I'm not I like for Mean Girls. You know I'm not that kind of pa- I'm not that kind of mom. I'm a cool mom. I'm not that kind of pastor. I'm a cool pastor. Uh, so so it works. You know I, I I love being with people. I love the idea that that being in relationship is far more compelling to me uh, than not being in relationship with people. And that same is true with 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 this this lost cause narrative. I would far rather be in relationship with people who don't look and sound and act like me uh, th- than not. Uh, that is that is the far more compelling narrative uh, than anything. Man, that was all so well put. I got chills when you were saying uh, Miss Bertha's words. I, I, I'm already going to say this right now. That's going to be the 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 clip, the the preview for this episode. That was really really beautiful. Um, yeah, you are right that I think that that you know most of my listeners are not very religious. I think, but uh, you very clearly are approaching this from a, such an interesting and cool perspective. So let's talk about that for a second. It sounds like that was very influential for you when you were young. Uh, were you one of those people, you know, because we, we hear these stories all the time where they say, I'm going to be a minister, I'm going to be a priest or whatever when they're young. And some people then go when they're older, okay, I don't really want to do that. It sounds like you followed through on those those ones. You know, Jay, I did. But the thing for me has always been that I never fit into a mold of what a minister should be. I'm far more concerned with being with people, um, with finding their stories and the importance they're in. Um, You know, it's easy to get caught up in the doctrine and the dogma. That stuff concerns me far less nowadays than it used to. Um, Because as a Christian, it's not my job to be perfect. It's not my job to get other people to be perfect. It's to walk alongside them and make sure that they feel that the fullness of who they are is, is important. Um, you know, God didn't create us as mistakes. Uh, God created us for the fullness of being alive. And, and, you know, I I was listening, you know, this is a little off topic, but I was listening to one of your episodes that, uh, about someone who was, was using heroin. And I thought to myself, you know, gosh, some people in the church would, would just be so incredibly, uh, they would be, they would be over this. They would change the channel, right? They wouldn't listen to that podcast. I want to be someone who listens to that podcast and not only listens to that podcast, but finds a way to connect with people who are so deeply down or so deeply, you know, in that space that, that, that I could be there for them, whatever that looks like, you know, you know, and celebrate them for who they are because God didn't, again, God didn't make any mistakes. And for us to, to, for the church to address that as such is really a grave sin in my opinion. So it would be uh, fair to say that you are a harm reduction uh, member of the church. You're meeting that, people that where be, they are. That would be fair to say. That would be fair Love to it. say. So, so let me ask about this then, because I have a good friend who who is very religious, and, and I am not. And we have these wonderful conversations because, you know, and, and I would say the same thing to you, is that if every person who – uh, was coming from a religious place at the same mindset of view of of sort of exploration and understanding and love. 
wonderful. I mean, that's fantastic. But unfortunately, when we hear about the the overtly religious most of the time in our news, uh, you know, right now as we're recording this, the big thing is um, there's uh, I think it was Lauren Boebert, one of the people on Twitter who who put out a statement that you know we should be taking our kids to church, not drag shows and stuff like that, right? How do you? Uh, how does this make you feel when you're just like you're using the same thing that I hold so dear as a cudgel, as a thing to beat people over the head with? Well, you know, I'm incensed by it. It, it pisses me off um, because that's not the God I know. And in fact, I resp- responded to Representative Bobert's tweet with a picture of of um, me at a drag show that my church, my former church that I was serving hosted. The church that I most previously served was 85% LGBTQ. Uh, so we would have drag shows on the lawn after church. Um, and, and, you know, that's the kind of God I would be far more concerned with knowing than Lauren Boebert's God. Because I've gotten to the point, Jay, where I actually think they're different gods. And, and <laughs> maybe Lauren's is a little G God. You know, that is not the God that I serve. That is not the God that I know. The God I have come to know would be at the drag shows uh, and celebrating that. The God I would know would be in the harm reduction clinics. Uh, the God I have come to know would be in the slums of our cities. Um, you know, that's where I need to be because that's ultimately where God is. Um, so I'm far more concerned with that than I am with Representative Bobert's uh, reality. Now, I recognize that I am a minority in that regard in some ways, especially in this part of the country where I live in North Carolina. There are people that, 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 that far more subscribe to that mentality than to mine. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways I, I, I worry about changing them. And in some ways I'm just like, you know, they're never going to change. I just need to serve the God I know. Uh, and that God will sort it all out in the end. So that's again, I mean, man, you're killing this. Uh, but, we, you know, we're, we're having this national conversation right now about the rise of, of white Christian extremism and rightfully so. I mean, religious extremism as a whole, it can be very scary. And right now we're in this mode of white Christian extremism. You know, you are a person who is uniquely, I think, trained and and, and learned on how to de- how to talk with people who may fall into that camp. You know, how do you have those conversations? Or, or is it more, as you just said, the second part where you just go, I don't think we can. Well, I think there's some people that you can have the conversation with. It's like the holy middle, right? Like the people in the middle who are willing to have those conversations. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's talk right now. Um, reach out to me. Um, but that said, there's other people that are so far to the right, so far extremist, uh, that there will be no reaching them. And, and, and there, that's, that's part of it. I think that's part of the activism that I've had to learn. But Jay, I've also learned that there's people that may have never heard of anything like being a pastor, being in the church, you know, being in someone who is concerned with social justice. And that's why I ultimately decided to go on the MTV VMAs and on The View and all these other shows and talk about these issues that we're talking about now. Uh, not because I wanted vain, uh, you know, fame or fortune or because I was vain, but because I actually believe that for someone to see a minister standing on the, the stage of the MTV Video Music Awards, for Christ's sake, and, and saying, look, there's a different way of doing this, uh, that sent shockwaves, ultimately. And that wasn't just me. It was a group of people who planned it and made it happen. But it sent shockwaves through the conversation because people said, if this minister can actually change with a name like Robert E. Lee or Robert W. Lee, who's related to Robert E. Lee, then I can too. Amazing, man. And before we get into what that work literally looks like, let's pause. And if you wouldn't mind shouting out where people can find you, where they can get the book, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, I've written a few books, but the book that you're probably most interested in in this conversation is A Sin by Any Other Name, Reckoning with Racism and the Heritage of the South. It was put out by Penguin Random House Convergent Books. Uh, So you can find that wherever books are sold. Um, Amazon, your local bookseller, all that stuff. I prefer local booksellers if you can want to support them. But, you know, if you have no other choice, uh, of course, the big box sellers have them, too. Uh, I would also encourage you to find me on Twitter at Rob Lee for I have a clergy collar on in the picture, so I'm pretty easy to find. I'm on Instagram at at Rev Rob Lee. And uh, again, I have also got to mention it while I'm on here. I have a podcast, a beloved journal. A beloved journal is we've had some cool guests from Beto O'Rourke uh, to Don Lemon to people from all over the, the spectrum of, of faith and non-faith talking about what it means to be beloved in an age that lacks loveliness. Um, so I hope you'll check it out. 
Hey y'all, it's Jay, your host. I'm so excited to tell you about my merch partner, TeePublic. TeePublic is the best site for independent creators, and it's why you can find all of Choose Your Struggles merch on their site. Look, I know I do a lot of things well. I create and host this show, I run this company, but one thing I'm not good at is graphic design. But that's okay, because TeePublic's design tool is so easy to use that even guys like me can use it to success. In fact, it's so easy to use that I've uploaded designs that have nothing to do with Choose Your Struggle just because I want to see them on t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, masks, and so much more. Right now, if you check out my TeePublic site, you can find designs from Choose Your Struggle Presents Made It Season 1 Stay Savage, Choose Your Struggle, Anti-Stigma Campaigns, and more. So to find all of my merch, go to chooseyourstruggle.com and click on the shop page, which will take you to my TeePublic store. And TeePublic, thank you for making it so damn easy. Support us on Patreon. Check us out at patreon.com slash chooseyourstruggle or at the link in your show notes. You know, this is something I talk about a lot on my show. As a guy in recovery, you know, we we say there's two different important dates in recovery, when you enter recovery and when you first start talking about it, right? And as it applies to your work, you know, there you've had this amazing kind of change in your mindset and, and, and your reckoning with some of these things. But for a lot of people, just having that is enough and that's wonderful. But you took that extra step and said, I'm going to start doing something about this. What was the moment that made you start doing that and, and kind of set you off on this path? The first public moment that I actually came out as a descendant of Robert E. Lee concerned with these issues was actually after uh, the Mother Emanuel shooting in, in Charleston a few years back. Um, the, the shooter uh, who took those nine lives um, idolized Robert E. Lee and the Confederacy. And there is nothing good about that. No good can come from that. I've had the chance since then to meet uh, the the daughters of DePayne Middleton Doctor, who was one of the victims uh, of, of, and we interviewed them for an MTV special that I interviewed her, them, the, the two daughters. And um, that was good, but it wasn't because of anything good that happened. There is pain in our world. And to not address it at a moment like this would make me complacent and complicit. Um, it's, it's like, in a sense, uh, from what I know about people in recovery, if the people around you aren't healthy, uh, how can you yourself become healthy ultimately? You've got to surround yourself with people who are, who are really to hold you accountable. And that's what I've tried to do is because racism is a disease. Uh, it's a disease. It's a scourge on our nation. It's their, our original sin. And to not talk about it uh, at a moment like this would actually make us complicit in the narrative. And look, Robert E. Lee will always be the more famous Robert Lee, but I will do everything in my power to be a footnote uh, that is a different Robert Lee said something different about his famous ancestor. Beautifully said. So, you, you, you know, you come out after this, this, uh, terrible tragedy and, and my listeners know I, I was uh, lucky enough to work with uh, um, Chris Singleton whose mother perished in that event and he's been on this show and is a very wonderful guy um and, and as I'm sure you know I, I can relate it from the first time I told my story on re of recovery it really kind of shoots you out of a cannon when you start heading in this direction and you've you've done such incredible work around that. I, I can imagine, you know, we kind of talked about some of the negatives earlier, but I can only imagine that, that there's also been a lot of wonderful moments of people who have embraced what you've had to say and really, I, I would hope, have been changed by it. Yes. And I think it's important to remember in all of this that the people who come alongside you are the people who will help you get it get it done. Um, you know, after I was on the view, Whoopi Goldberg came up to me and she said this on the show too, but she said, I'd actually come to church if you were a pastor at a church, um, here in the city. And I was like, that's such an honor. But, but I took it to heart because what it meant was what I was saying was resonating with her in a way that was, was healthy 
and and not the this church speak that has been also complicit. Let me state emphatically, it has been complicit in the racist overtones and undertones in our country. Um, the church has done a wonderful job of helping out with that um, in a terrible way. But all that's to say is that, you know, what I've come to know is the people who are on this journey, who want to be on this journey, who want to have these conversations in a deep and profound way, are finding ways to do it in creative ways. Um, you know, after the um, after the 2020 election, Dr. Jill Biden asked me to write devotionals for her. And so I was able to do that. And so, so just because we were willing to have these conversations, these deep conversations about what's wrong with our country and how we can fix it together, um, because all of it spurs from, from this place of, of, of division and not knowing each other. Uh, and I know that's an oversimplification. It's a gross oversimplification, but it actually works if you look at it. Um, you know, there's there's so many things that are wrong with this country. But if we actually get to know each other and talk about our problems truthfully, honestly, and with a sense of, of human dignity in it, like you're actually OK, I can disagree with you and, and still find worth in your humanity. Those things would actually change the world uh, from, 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 the, from the bottom up. So I think those are important conversations to have. Uh, and I've been trying to do that with people, who, anybody who will listen, honestly, from, 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 from down the street to the White House. And I think that's really important. Um, so you just got to be willing to talk to people, see where they are. And I, I could not co-sign that enough. That's so beautifully put. So let's let's kind of close this circle then in, in the terms of, you know, as you said, that there are a lot earlier. There are little people, let's say, from the, the, the righteous middle, I think is what you call it, who can be reached in that in that way. You know, but then we're hearing all these uh, sort of, you know, big names or whoever who are not. They're, they're on the other end. They're, they don't see our humanity and, and especially the humanity of people of color in, in, in this country. Where are you finding hope? Where, where are you? What is inspiring you lately to say, hey, you know, maybe there is some chance here that we're going to clean this thing up? I had someone who is rather famous tell me that what the work I'm doing is generational work meaning that I will never, I might not see it through to the end. Um, and that's been true in some of the work I'm doing. I know that I won't see this like at 30 years old, I won't see the rest of this come to pass probably in my lifetime. It's a generational change that needs to take place. It still needs to take place. So what has given me hope is honest to God, and it's so weird, I never wanted to be a parent, but uh, a, a year ago, my wife and I adopted two, two girls um, from, from the County over from us who were in social services, uh, which, you know, if you're thinking of adopting, that's a sidebar. I really hope you go through social services and, and, and maybe not so much the, the private agencies, the Christian agencies that have ulterior motives and all that, uh, people are need in your community. People are needing help in your community now. Um, all that's to say is, uh, my kids give me hope because they see things differently, even at three and five than I ever did when I was there, their age, um, they have a deep sense of justice. They have a deep sense of righteousness of like, what is right? What is good? And I hope and pray that I don't fuck that up. <laughs> you know, I hope and pray that I don't mess that up and make that something that's, that's, that, that's not good because they have this sense and that's where the generational change will come in. This Robert Lee may not be able to get it done, but my girls who bear the name Lee might be able to. Um, so, so you kind of have to look at it that way. And I know that's discouraging and I get that, but it also gives me a lot of hope too. If I can just leave this world a little better uh, than where I found it, um, then I will have done my job. Well, that's beautiful. And Mazel Tov on your adoption. That's wonderful. Yeah. So we've mostly spent the last, you know, this time together talking about your anti-racism work, which is phenomenal. But as you and I discussed previously, you also are an advocate around mental health. T let's talk a little bit about that now. How did that start and, and what made you make that decision to, to, to also go in that direction? Well, how it started was the necessities, the mother of all invention kind of thing. I have bipolar too. Um, I am very honest about it and open about it on social media, which, um, you know, to some people is, 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 is abhorrent, you know, how can a pastor be honest about his struggles, which is, makes no sense to me on this planet. Um, you know, I would rather be, have someone who's honest about everything, honest about their trials, their joys, everything. And that's what I try to do is be honest about it. 
Um, but I do have bipolar disorder and I've been very honest about it, Jay, because I think that the more people, you know, it, it's amazing. My DMs light up every time I post about it because people say, you know, I wish that we could talk about this more openly. I wish we could have these conversations about what medications we're on, why we're on the medications, um, you know, why we're treating ourselves in the way we are and, you know, what resources do you have? Can we share resources? Is that okay? And of course you have to have boundaries in that as you well know, but um, it is good to, to see that people are willing to have those conversations um, and talk about it because it, it's, it's, you know, it's like me having high cholesterol. I've got to treat it. Uh, if I don't, <laughs> I'll be screwed. Same with high cholesterol. You've got to treat it. If you don't, you'll be screwed. So I think that we have to be honest about these things and therefore trustworthy. And in our trustworthiness, we find that other people are saying kind of the me too kind of syndrome, you know, oh, that's me too. I get it. Um, I get this. Uh, and that provides solidarity, which is ultimately in, in any struggle, uh, in any reality, in anything that we face, that is what is that what that is what helps the most is this idea that I'm not alone. You know, that solidarity piece is so important. As my listeners know, with my story, you know, it was a misdiagnosis of bipolar, too. And, and it took meeting beautiful, wonderful people with bipolar, too, to for me to go, wait, this doesn't look familiar and then meeting again wonderful people struggling with addiction for me to go hey wait a minute this 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 i know um but i th that couldn't have happened for me you know this was 12 years ago now um i think it would have been a lot easier now because more people like you and uh, are being open about this and we're trying to as as my my listeners know as i say on the show all the time end the stigma uh, take away that stigma around these issues and and talk about them in the open. So, you know, thank you so much for doing that. Um, it, it, you know, you, this was the necessity for it, but still taking that leap can be very difficult. Uh, was this something where you went, you know, I'm already out there about all this anti-racism work, so I'm going to start talking about this more openly. Was there not even a conscious decision about that? Was it just, Hey, you know what? This is just who I am. I think it was the latter. I mean, you know, I'm far more, comfortable now than I was, or, you know, 10 years ago when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, talking about who I am. Um, but that came with this idea, you know, I'm a public figure in some sense of the word, whatever that means. And, and, and I would far, you know, I, I think people need to know that about people. Like they need to know that I have something that, that makes me really, you know, I tweeted about it yesterday. It was hard to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, the, 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 the series on Disney plus that I really love. I just couldn't find the energy to pick up the remote to turn it on. I was that kind of down uh, and I tweeted about it and, and you would be amazed at the people that just said, you know what? I get that. I, I get that. Um, and, and so that solidarity piece actually goes both ways. It provides me with the comfort of knowing I'm not alone either. Like, and I will get through this and you too, uh, listeners uh, will get through this if you're struggling with something. Um, you know, that's the point of it all is, is to make sure that we know that we're in this together. And that's been a constant theme for me, both in my anti-racism work and my mental health advocacy, in knowing that we're going to get through this uh, together if we do it together. So you are this incredible advocate, you know, in, in, been all over. What is your actual, you know, day to day look like? I mean, are, are you at a church right now? What is your community? I mean, uh, have they embraced this? What, what does that look like? So I do speaking work. So I travel around the country. Um, you know, people can reach out to me uh, on Twitter or wherever, and there's plenty of like places to find out how to get in touch with me about that. Um, but but I do that in churches and non-churches, government agencies, stuff like that, speaking. So I do a lot of traveling right now. I also have the privilege. My wife is an amazing director of marketing. Uh, so I get to stay at home during the day with my kids and do writing, writing books. I'm writing books and all that stuff. And also, you know, tweeting. Um, but I get to stay home with my girls uh, for the summer, and that's really exciting. Um, and, and something I, again, that was something I never thought I'd want to do, but I'm really excited to be doing it. Um, but so the work continues. Um, you know, I served a church up until about a year ago uh, when I we adopted the girls, and I, we decided it best for me to hang out with them and do some travel work as well. That's pretty beautiful, man. As my listeners know too, I could not do this work without my supportive wife. So props, to, props to both of our partners yes, for there you go. for being for being amazing in that respect. Well, you and I could do this uh, for a long time, and and we haven't even gotten into our, our shared hobby of, of memorabilia and autograph collecting. But uh, we'll save that for another one. Before we go to the final questions, if you wouldn't mind 
uh, shouting out one more time where people can find you online, buy the books, all the good stuff. Again, you can check out your local bookseller or one of the big box sellers and find a sin by any other name, Reckoning with Racism and the Heritage of the South. Um, I have two other books out currently, Stained Glass Millennials and The Pulpit and the Paper. I have another book coming out uh, this year. Uh, it's a fostering and adoptive prayer book for those people who want a resource that's non-colonialistic uh, and, you know, really forward thinking about adoption and not, you know, trying to create racist overtones or undertones or anything like that or colonialistic overtones or undertones. Um, and then I've got a Star Trek devotional that's coming out later this year, which is really exciting that talks about Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, you can find information about me at at Rob Lee 4 or on Instagram at Rev Rob Lee. I also have a public Facebook page that I'm supposed to plug, but I don't use it as much. But you're welcome to like me. I would really appreciate that. Uh, I'm trying to use it more now, but, you know, Facebook is of the devil sometimes. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I'm happy to enter into a conversation with you if you need it. Oh man, I, I'm with you too. I like always forget to to use my my exactly. It's it's, it's on the bottom of the list, but I try yeah. to use it now. So try it. <laughs> um, that's really cool about the the Star Trek devotional. That that's awesome, man. So before we our, our, <laughs> every episode, we finish with the same two questions. Uh, the first of which is uh, we've talked a lot about mental health, and you're very open about yours. What are your self care habits? I wish I had better self-care habits. Um, <laughs> I'm horrible at self-care sometimes, if I'm being honest. But I will say that the thing I love to do right now and have been working really hard on is, uh, uh, you know, uh, chronicling, excuse me, chronicling uh, my autograph collection. And we were talking about that on Twitter. Um, I have a huge autograph collection that I love. I'm looking at them all right now in my office as we're recording um, there's some of my, some of my prized possessions. So I'm actually going through and make sure I have them all listed down for insurance purposes. <laughs> Cause as you know, Jay, some of those things are worth some money. Um, so we want to make sure we care for them and, and make sure we take care of them. So it's been fun to go through like the binders that I have that aren't framed and kind of see, you know, what it is that I have that I really cherish and, and, and know what's around me, which is good. I also love walking my poodle Frank. Um, Frank is my dearest friend and companion on this life. Uh, he is such a great dog. And so my wife and I will often go on walks with him. And then we really enjoy that. I I recommend both of those. I do the same. Our, our dog, Nell. And, and yeah, you know, my listeners know I've been a, a memorabilia and autograph collector for a long time. And I also recently did the for insurance reasons, like going through and making sure I had everything chronicolo chronologically ordered. And it is very cathartic in a way of really sort of being able to put things in order and have it all in front of you, it, it really does the, the mind good. So I, I definitely echo that one. Uh, the final question we always finish with is uh, now that we've spent the last almost 40 minutes hearing why you're amazing, why we got to be following your work. This is your chance to shout out some other people who you're reading. What are you watching, listening to anything you want? So I would really recommend uh, on a non like anything matters, you know, nothing compared to what we were talking about. But I would recommend the Kenobi series. That's what I'm watching right now. Star Wars fans, you will love this series. It's a mini series. It's a six episodes. We're up to episode four right now. So two more to go. It's easy to catch up to. I really I mean, I love it. I, it is it is everything. It brings me back to like this nostalgic child uh, who is watching the show and seeing everything that matters. Uh, currently I am looking back at my bookshelf and I've got a lot of books on there, but the book that I've, the person I've been reading a lot of lately is uh, Archbishop Stephen Cottrell, who I know that a lot of people may have never heard of. He is the current Archbishop of York. He is the most down to earth Archbishop you will ever meet. Um, he's on Twitter. He's very active there. Uh, he's the uh, bishop in the Church of England. So none of that crazy uh, other stuff that you might get with other denominations. He's very down to earth, very cool. Uh, I've been reading a lot of his stuff lately just because I really I had him on the podcast, my podcast, Beloved Journal recently. And I've really enjoyed following up and just kind of reading some of his stuff. It, and it's fun to do is to after you have someone on a podcast, read their stuff and, and see what they're talking about. Well, Rob, this was an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we, we were able to make this happen. And and thank you sincerely for all the work you're doing. It is so appreciated. And I know my listeners are going to be following uh, from afar and cheering you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. She was just
If you've been following the show for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of Roadrunner CBD. I use all of their products. Seriously, I run through a tub of their muscle gel every couple of weeks because I'm in my 30s and everything hurts. Their balm is perfect for keeping my skin smooth and healthy, and I mix their CBD flower with every joint I roll to give my high that perfect equilibrium I'm always looking for. So to change your life with Roadrunner CBD's products, go to roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. And use the code CYS at checkout for 10% off. Trust me, you're going to want to try this out. Check them out today. Find us on social media. Check the link in your show notes or search for Jay Schiffman and Choose Your Struggle on any social media platform. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with the Reverend Rob Lee. This may, this is, this is, this is one of my favorite episodes now of the two plus, you know, three seasons. We're in season three. Um, definitely top five. Uh, huge Rob Lee fan. I am so thankful I got to, to chat with him and that he took the time because what an incredible guy. All right. This week's card is coming from the press pause pack. Nope. That's wrong. It's coming from the Nuggets of Kindness card pack from Blurt. Um, because we all need kindness right now. Whatever it is that you need right at this moment in time, get it. Prioritize it. Make room for it. Tell other people about it. Your needs are more important. Heed them. Uh, that is a good card, and it's also your good egg. Because just fuck all this. All of it. Fuck all of it. Um, We are living that meme of the dog with the room on fire saying this is fine. We are watching the collapse of everything we've held dear. Uh, if you're not outraged at everything that's been happening over the last couple of weeks, um, the last couple of months, the last couple of years, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it, it's, it's bad. It is bad right now. And I think I'm with a lot of you that I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to get better anytime soon. And so my uh, wish for you, your your good egg this week, is to do whatever the fuck you need. Because um, that's the only way we're all going to survive this thing. That's it. Uh, yeah. Be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle. <laughs>